Welcome back for our second podcast here at the Barnes & Noble in Union Square. And uh, we're going to get things started. So who's ready? All right. Please welcome from Pottercast, Melissa Anelli, and from Mobilecast, Andrew Sims. Hello, everyone. Hi, guys. Hello. Correct me if I'm wrong, but J.K. Rowling Hello? is in the city tonight. I believe that's what we're hearing. And uh, cue applause. Yeah. Uh, we have some interns and some other great people, and we want to get them right out here because we have a full show. So why don't you get us First on. up, who else but the bold and beautiful, straight from Kansas, Benjamin Chain. The Hufflepuff with definitely the most stuff, Sue Upton. Next up, come on up, Sue. One more round of applause for Sue. She's done so much this week. Next up, the founder of Mongonet.com and now self-appointed master of nanotechnology because after all he's been reading his nanotechnology for dummies and he's so so proud. Emerson Sparts. This guy, but everyone's favorite burrito boy. Dollish fan, Mr. Horkry got smacked down by Joe himself, John Noe. And last, but certainly not least, because this guy needs a very, very, very special introduction. Uh, he came over from the UK about two weeks ago, and Ben and I have spent, ben and I have spent so much time with him. He has turned more American than anyone in this room, Jamie Lawrence. Have we had a good couple of weeks? Huh, guys? Oh, yeah. I've been with these guys for two weeks. Two weeks with these boys. One girl. One girl. Well, Sue wasn't really uh, around all well, that much. Right. At the Aladdin. We spent four days at the Aladdin um, to have a vacation, during which I learned too much about the shapes in which boys can make mashed potatoes. I don't know if you guys are. 
I never, ever am going to a meal with them again. Then we went over to the JW Marriott in Las Vegas for Lumos 2006. Who else was there? Where we, we hung out with, what, like 600 of you for the weekend to hang out, seek panels, play water quidditch, which we'll get to in a minute. We won. And, and do our live leaky mug from Las Vegas about three days ago. Uh, a, a select few of those Lumos people are, are actually here today. Yeah, they came. who are you? Stand up if you're here. Stand up. These people were in Las Vegas just the other day, and now they're in New York City. Vegas and New York. So are they like Leaky Mug super fans? Do we call them Leaky Mug Extra now? What do we give them? What title do we give them? They're oh. dedicated. Okay, you think of it. You, they're, you, they're spending a lot of money. You send, you send us an email. But anyway, we've had, we've had a really great time. Um, uh, some of you also might know that Emerson and I have been doing additional podcast duties with Miss Cheryl Klein of Scholastic, who is here somewhere. Please stand up, Cheryl. Hot there Cheryl. she is. There's Cheryl. <laughs> So in addition to doing our Leaky Mug three days ago in Las Vegas, Cheryl Emerson and I did one a week ago in Naperville, Illinois, and I know that there are some of you here who were there, and we did one in Las Vegas last Tuesday, which is a week ago today, and then we did one in Los Angeles, um, what, yesterday? I lost track of time at this point. So we've just been, we've been talking and talking and talking for weeks. We've got plenty of stories for you. The one I think we should start with are our boys and their, their victory at the water quidditch. Water yeah. quidditch. Yeah. Awesome. Captain John Noe was our quidditch captain. He organized all of it for us. I was. It was the big leaky and a few muggle casters. Um, quidditch and, and by that he means <laughs> there was uh, all muggle casters plus, uh, plus one or two and, leaky. Me and Heather, of course, from leaky. Oh, it was, it was awesome. We had talked about doing this for like, I don't know, since I heard about Lumos and since I... I I went on their webpage and saw they had something called Water Quidditch. I'm like, that sounds awesome. So I emailed their coach, and they're like, sorry, the teams are full. And so we um, were a little upset. But she got back with us later and said, hey, if you all want to play, you can put together a whole team on your own. Um, you, you guys can play the champions of the Quidditch, a Water Quidditch World Cup. So we did that, and we arrived as the last game was finishing, and uh, they showed us some of the rules and just kind of laughed thinking that we were going to get trounced. And I don't know, the first two, ten minutes we got trounced. Do we have a picture of the winners here? We ended up coming back there. We just took care of those guys. I missed the whole thing yes, because my, no, Kevin tried to call me, but we were having actually a study session for something we'll talk about in a minute. So I missed the whole water quidditch, and I got down there, and all I see are them lined up in the pool, and there's like, Photographs and pictures and people are taking. I'm like, what the heck is going on down there? But, but, our, but our boys won. And then I got a nice hug from one Mr. Wet, Eric Skull. <laughs> it was practically the paparazzi. Wet Eric. Uh oh. Watch out for that. <laughs> yeah, it was nice, Eric. Thank you very much. Good word. When John says um, we thought we were going to get trounced, he isn't joking at all. We spent about three hours in our room beforehand sitting down, biting our nails, thinking, we're just going to make fools out of ourselves. And um, by some twist of fate, we pulled through. So actually, he pulled through. This boy caught the, caught the uh, snitch.
And John, it was a shame too, because so many people booed us afterwards. They were it kind, was awful. They were kind of jealous. How about, well, who's the team we won against? Who won uh, the actual the, finals? The Chompers or something. Chomp. The who's? But they were kept doing chomp. What does that mean? They're like. Oh, the Threshers then. How would you guys feel? They played. They played quarter Quidditch all day long. Fought their way to the top. Yeah. See if we got did that. To the end. These guys walk in all rest <laughs> yeah, and dry in their Muggle T-shirts. I was certainly not wearing uh, a Muggle Knight t-shirt, and I just want to clarify. <laughs> well, that was fun, but as I mentioned, I was elsewhere during that um, studying. I spent half this vacation studying my tukus off. Uh, for school? Are you still in school? I don't for, know what you're talking about. Well, this little thing happened in the Las Vegas podcast. We had a little trivia contest. Yes. Between Leaky and MuggleNet. And I just, I just, I want to ask, oh, Emerson, who won? You mean who cheated? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they oh they did. I think it's quite obvious who won because had this, these people won themselves, it would have been like front page MuggleNet news for like a week. And somehow, I don't know. I don't know. Was there a post like yesterday about the Lumos activities that you finally made on MuggleNet? Yeah. Like yesterday? Perhaps. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we wouldn't have draw attention to the fact that you guys cheated and embarrassed you on the front page MuggleNet. Is what it really was. Of course, was. that's what we're gonna hear from them because they're not adult enough to take the responsibility. Uh, we so didn't know what what happened was they threw in these random questions uh, for legal purposes, like about rocks and Cinderella. We know. Look at us. <laughs> Do we watch Cinderella? No, Leaky's no, no. been in bed with the Harry Potter lexicon since, uh, oh, it's been years now. So. <laughs> the what now? nothing more to say on that. <laughs> hey, listen, I don't want to hear it about Cinderella. You guys are much closer to the age where you read Cinderella, so you should have no... <laughs> yes. Hey, Melissa, I disagree. Cinderella was way before our time. Oh, I didn't hear you. Sorry, Emerson. Missed that. Well, when you're that old, you have nothing to do but sit around and read Harry Potter all day anyway. So. Oh. Ben, boo. 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 Cheap shot, I agree. Thank you, Kyle. <laughs> he, he knows his name because it's his one fan. Oh. Okay, okay. Okay. I, I will not respond in kind. How about at the end of this, this is, this is just an idea, but how about at the end of this, we have one person come up with the hardest Harry Potter trivia question oh, yeah. they can possibly... We settle this once and for and all. We'll settle it once and for all. <laughs> Double Ooh. or nothing. I think you guys are sung. Why are we even rematching the wrong thing? We're the mighty no, muggle that we don't want to They have to challenge Forget it. We us. want fair and square. Forget about this. Steve, we are quite scared, yes. Because <laughs> they know when, the, when it's a fair playing field that they don't stand a chance. <laughs> yes. yeah. Steve's not here, is he? Not is Steve to, uh, here? Steve Vandar? HP Lexicon? No, he didn't come. No, all right. He's oh. very busy working on the Lexicon. Well, we give him as we're doing this, do you think we should point out some of our staff now? Or? Oh, might as well. Well, first might as well. of all, oh my God, it's Jeff Guillaume from HPANA. Oh! It's an acronym! It's an acronym! It's oh <laughs> a fantastic news aggregating site. Also, we have over here Zach from the Harry Potter fan zone. Oh! All the way from Australia, right? Are you from Australia? Is he from Australia? We also have Laura Thompson from MuggleNet and MuggleCast. Oh! Laura Tannenbaum! We have Brendan Kinney right there taking some photos. He's also a member of MuggleNet.com. 
Then we have uh, Calissa Selman, also at Mugganut.com. Uh-oh. Hey, don't Katie, I don't know your last name, of Mugganut.com. <laughs> Sarah. Let me do Kevin. Oh, what? So Sarah. And then we have uh, a couple other stragglers around oh, Back there, there we have Kevin Steck. He'll be signing oh. your motherboards and your routers following. <laughs> oh, Kevin Steck. I have to tell you about Kevin Steck. And Graphics Extraordinaire, my little brother, Dylan Sparch, right there. <laughs> Do you and think we tell everybody what, how Kevin Steck saved our holiday? I don't know if that I don't would know be a good idea. Oh. The cops are coming, coming. A phone call from us. the hotel. Um, just, just put it this way. <laughs> Kevin Steck's magical abilities made sure that while we were on holiday, six out of the seven people in the room could be talking to each other on IM at the same time. Because we're and awesome like that. water because we're cool. Yes. Uh, anyway, let's go for over to some of our leaky people. We have Doris Herman. Oh, our lady coordinator who you've heard on Modcast. We have Nick Ryan somewhere. There he is. Nick Ryan, very, very tall, runs our forum. Jose LeBlanc, who can make anything with twigs and jam. <laughs> She's our crafts master. We have Melissa over here, who is with our scribulus, our essay. Julie. We have Julie. Our editor, Julie, is, is over there. <laughs> oh, Julie! Julie Tynan. Kristen Brown, I think, is still here. Is she? Kristen. Is she not here? Kristen Brown, our editor, was here, but I think, I think, I think she had to leave. Aww. And a, a Sarah from our Chamber of Chat is around somewhere. Yay. Nice. Um, Chamber of Chat. We have Switchboard Tim. Let me tell you about Switchboard Tim. Tim works in the lounge. There he is. He switch, switch. This guy, he runs everything. He runs our lives. Without switchboard Tim, this just this just would not occur. And I think, I mean, I'm sure there's more leaky people here. I, I also Guru, forgot. Where's Guru Sloth? Where is he? Oh, Alex, there's Super Alex right there. Alex Robin, who like codes every last thing on Leaky and. Guru of Sloth, where are you? He's right over there. He's over there he is. Guru. Mr. I yearn, yearn for Pottercast. Guru of Sloth. Woo! Wait, is, I, I also forgot Emily o- Ogle, who edits all of our news. When I make a mistake, she's always there to fix it. Hey. So, of course, Aww. thank you. Hey. Round of applause for her. And, if and you've and ever done anything for or commented on one of our websites, hi. How about oh, also, that? one more shout-out for um, Catherine, who makes my life much easier. Uh, Thanks a lot, Catherine. Aww. 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 Don't forget Mike Tannenbaum. Right back as he introduces. Wait, is Hot Cheryl still here? Is Hot Cheryl still here? Hot Cheryl still here? Oh, she's Hot Cheryl. I know, but it's just fun. Speaking speaking of hot, here in the front row we have Andrew's sister. Oh no 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 no! Wait wait we have to wait. Do you guys? Who was here for the last New York Live podcast? Oh. I don't know if you remember, but we had some special phone calls. Um, my, my mother sort of went around and, and got, so got, got Matt Lewis on the phone and, said, and Emma Watson, but we couldn't hear her because Andrew was going, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Well, I, might have, I mean, she, she, the woman who made that happen is sitting right here, Mrs. Carolyn Ellie. Oh, oh the mama. The whole family's here, but my mom, you go, since you all know my mom. But anyway, anyway, the point of all this is that I don't think there's ever been a time where we've seen so many of you at once, and it's awesome. We've had so much fun hanging out with you. We went to the Harry and the Potters concert and the Draco and the Malfoys concert. Oh, yeah. Those that was guys. fun. And Alex from the Remus Lupins opens for us in Las Vegas. And there's really, there's just nothing better when you guys all come together like this. So the past couple of weeks have just blown all of our minds. Right, yes. Jamie? 
Yeah. Um, talk, uh, talk about your uh, experiences in Vegas. Okay. Um, I'm from a country where <laughs> we don't get much at all. Okay. Uh, we only got TVs in the last two years and <laughs> oh. electricity. What's that again? Sorry. Doesn't it? Sorry? I, I, oh, okay. uh, no, I've had the best time of my life. It's been amazing with all these fabulous people. And Vegas, um, I'm going back to watch Ocean's Eleven again so I can see everything that I've seen in real life. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I've had the time of my life. Absolutely brilliant. And it's great to meet, it's great to meet you all as well. <laughs> Jamie has a new favourite song as well. Oh yeah. Um, sing it, sing it, sing it. No, I'm not singing it, but uh No no, okay, okay. Um we were sitting by the pool between work breaks, you know, we we have a couple of work breaks every now and again. And um every time we touch by uh, who's this guy that came on the uh, radio and I hadn't heard this before because like iPods we've only got music in the past two years as well, so uh uh, I heard this and I didn't know who sang it so I asked, I think Andrew, he told me and I downloaded it and every so often now I put my headphones in, turn it up to full volume and scream and jump about to this song and um At three in the morning At three in, in the morning and, um, On the bed On, on the, the bed. bed, yeah, I think there have been a, uh, and I think there have been about four broken beds so far because yes. that and um, also the fountains at the Bellagio on the strip um, they do it to music, and the first night you saw it, we've seen it about three times now. Uh, I'm proud to be an American, came on. <laughs> and, um, nice to have you. Sorry? Nice to have you. Thank you very much. Um, so uh, I'm abandoning my British roots, and <laughs> all I can say is God bless the USA. much fun as we had in Vegas and Illinois and Los Angeles, uh, we're back in New York, and no sooner did we step, we, we touched down in New York. Do you guys remember the last podcast? Sue came in with an amazing story. She met the person that she was so anxious to meet, Jason Isaacs. Well, no sooner had we, had my plane landed that I get a, a message from Sue on my voicemail that was all screams. I still haven't listened to it. So I'm just going to let her tell you what that's about. Okay. Well, First, I had this incredibly horrible flight, and it took me two days to get here, and I, after being in the airport, and they lost my luggage, and <clears throat> so this, save it to say, they lose my luggage, and I have nothing to wear, so I'm at Bloomingdale's, literally buying unmentionables, and I get this phone call <laughs> that's saying <laughs> that, I know, sorry, 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 I do this, see, we're going to start laughing, we're in trouble, so I can't look at you. Okay. Um, <laughs> So I get this phone call that Joe is at the show, the Don't Daily Show. Okay, the Daily Show. She went as a guest. And so literally I'm with Julie. <laughs> there she is, lovely Julie. And we literally run at least 11 blocks. And I have like, these really poorly fitting shoes, and they're like flying off of us. And I'm literally running down the streets of New York at my bare feet because <laughs> I'm like not going to miss Joe. So we get there, and of course naturally, because we, we had tried to get tickets, and we, we didn't get get in and everybody comes out and I'm like is Joe there is Joe there no Will Ferrell was there who Joe and they're looking at me like you know and um, so I'm like okay so by this time we get our breath and I was like I just something Emmy said you know what she's here I just I just know it and everybody left the street was absolutely deserted it was long gone I go around the corner and there's Joe with doctor her husband 
back, but then you go into like, because I work in news, and it's just like, like, Joe, it's super leaky. And she, you know, I thought she might be like terrified, you know? <laughs> but she, she was really close. She's like, hi. And she, Julie's like, hi, this is, and we introduce And then I took Dr. Murray's hand, and, and I, I just, you know, you go into the, like, do you blather at her? Do you just say, <sighs> I mean, what do you do? I just, you know, but I, what? Oh, thank you. I was so just like out of my mind, you know, and there she is. I mean, she's real. She's so small. She's so pretty and she's so cool. So I, I'm like, okay. So I just was talking to her and we were talking about how to getting tickets. We couldn't get tickets to the, to the Daily Show and how we love John and, just, I mean, we're talking like normal people. It was just incredible. And, and I had the presence of mind to like give her the leaky stickers and the Potter cast, and we talked about this. And then I got to hug her. <laughs> I am so excited. And I told her, this is a direct quote. I go, Joe, you rock my socks. And, and she laughed, she cracked up. And then I and said the word Hufflepuff to her, and she shook her head, Sue. So she knows. I was excited. <laughs> It was great, but then they got into a cab, and Julie was so composed and nice the whole time, and here I am just, you know, Joe. But it was great, and she's wonderful, and, and, and she got into a cab with her husband. And Only you, Sue. Only you would I step mean, down in New York and find Joe. Find Joe. Street. Man, it's like my homie beacon. It's like, I have to find Joe, you know? <laughs> Little magic again. So, so the next New York Live podcast, I mean, who's left? Uh, who will you meet next? Ralph. Rafe. Rafe, 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 Ray, Ralph, and Rafe. Yeah, that's about my next the mission. The triplets will show up. So it's a great. I mean, just saying, Joe is just. She has great perfume on. She's beautiful. <laughs> and let me tell you, her husband. He has his coolest Scottish accent. He's like Harry grown up, man. He's had, the, he had these cool glasses on. Wow. That's well, speaking of Joe, great. I mean, we we all saw her yes. last night. Um, so. We, I mean, we had a great time. Harry, Carey, and Garp, who's, who went already? Yeah. Going tonight? Well, you're not going to be disappointed. You're going to have a great time, specifically for Stephen King and John Irving. We all know Joe. We all love Joe. It's very exciting when she gives us new info. But Stephen King and John Irving, just you're going to love them. Yeah. So, Ben, why don't you tell us what last night was like for you? Yeah. Well, the, the night before, for some reason, Jamie and I decided it'd be fun to stay up all night, so we, we were both just a little bit tired when we, by the time we got to the reading, and uh, the first two acts were very, very good. John Irving they, were does, good. they were good. John Irving does some really good voices. Stephen King, he's a great storyteller, and... But when we finally got to Joe, it was just like we were both, everyone was like clinging on to every word. The chapter that she read from was The Secret Riddle. Is that yeah, 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 The Secret Riddle. And, you know, it's when Dumbledore goes, but, goes back into the pensive with Harry and they look at what Tom Riddle was like as a youth. And that was really interesting. And then they came out, like some people started asking her questions. And some of the questions that were asked, sort of frustrated me because, you know, as fans, we think, if we had one question to ask Joe, we're not going to screw it up. And then some of the, I forget what was asked, but it just didn't tickle my fancy, so to speak. Was it the one about writing and when to know when to stop? That one? Yeah. The, well, no, I mean, look at it this way, though. They, just, they said that they had probably thousands of questions to choose from, and I'm sure of those thousands, 
probably the hard question that we would have wanted to ask Joe was asked, and this is just the ones that they picked. Right. And they're not going to answer too juicy of a question because they want you to wait and not spoil the book. Well, I went to, um, for my newspaper, not for Leaky, I went to the press conference in the morning. And um, I wasn't called on. And I had this, the people from Scholastic were like pointing at me in the back, call on her, call on her. And she didn't call on me. And my question, of course, was going to be, are you going to release the title of book seven? But they didn't call on me. I don't know. Well, it was fun. <laughs> real quick, uh, hold on, real, real quick, uh, I took a picture of Jamie when he was doing his little dance every time we touch, and I, I don't know, it's, it's uh, it, uh, well, here. <laughs> and we have both video and audio. Yeah. Multiple videos. There's also a great video on YouTube of Andrew at rest. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> As the mighty well, okay. For, for, for anyone I'll who doesn't know, I, I was, it, was, it was the first night in first Vegas. Night. It was in Latin, and we were sitting there, and I sort of fell asleep, propped up against the bed weird. So for some reason, my, my yeah. neck went wrong or something. And then John, of course, said, no, don't you dare pull it out. And no, don't you dare pull it out. And uh, after you showed so, that picture, all so it got it got on YouTube via my good friend Kalasma. And then I'm actually very proud of it now because it won an honor. It was one of the most discussed videos on YouTube. So I'm actually pretty happy about it now. I'm gonna stick it on my resume and then maybe see what happens. It totally backfired. It was supposed to embarrass him, and it made him like the snoring hero of the Harry Potter world. I'm very proud of that. And my throat hurts like no. <laughs> Does it sound to anyone else? like loose cattle in the room. Right. <laughs> does, it sound, does it sound like that cow that sometimes opens when you're dieting and you put it on the refrigerator and you open it up, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Or that little thing that you go, you know. This is just anyway. a silly discussion. Oh, Let's Andrew. move on. It's the cutest <laughs> snoring I've ever seen. Thank you, John. Oh, my goodness. Well, who else wants to share about last night? Yeah. Come on, you guys are there. Who was there? We all were. Us? us? All of us. Oh, I forget. Oh, you mean no? No, no, no. no, no. Later, we'll okay. get. We'll get to that. Uh, I just oh. thought it was great because let's talk about those shoes. Oh my God, her shoes! Oh, nice. it, Please. And I was sitting next to Emerson, which was a waste because when her shoes came out on the, not even her, when her shoes came out on that stage, I went like this. Oh. <laughs> and I like I just want. There were these gold. I don't know if you've seen pictures yet. They're, were they still? They look gold for my bad eyes. But anyway, they had um straps and then like a, like a thick gold snake just like wrapping up to her ankle and I'm sure they cost more than my college education <laughs> but I, I, I'm sure they're being knockoffs made right now the first time somebody's trying to email me but anyway I'm sitting with Emerson and I can't, I can't even talk to him about it because all he's going to do is make fun of me so I just, I just stay quiet are you kidding Emerson talked to me about those shoes for like two hours last night <laughs> he would not shut up I'm like Emerson I know they're kind of cool shoes he kept wanting to know where to get some. I told him to check eBay after the show. Are you turning red, Emerson? It's from Ben. You are? I'll just put it this way. Ben wasn't looking at her shoes. <laughs> oh! You're right. She was wearing a very fine dress. I'm telling Neil, you're busted. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, when, um, when she came on stage, Ben made a noise similar to Andrew's snoring video. <laughs> <laughs> Is that even possible? <laughs> I'm sure I know. Don't say it. I know it. I know it. You Ooh, snore every I night. I know. Every night. And they do have video, so I'm just going to show Oh, my gosh. Anyway, she, asked, she got asked some interesting questions. But first, wait, no, first of all, some awesome, awesome people introduced her. Oh, yes. Oh. Oh. Yes. Mr. John Stewart works on the stage, and Emerson and I just, like, shoot for mercy yeah. and start clapping. Yeah. It was awesome. And he came out and immediately said, Rowling. Rowling. Yeah. To which I heard a lone rolling like bowling <laughs> flying through the car. With me. Yeah. <laughs> and then he proceeded to heckle you. Was that? Yeah. He did. He said, Joe said backstage that I could call it Rowling and her fans would heckle me and say it was rolling and they were wrong. <laughs> so anyway, he's, he's awesome and to see that kind, of, that kind of support between the two of them is he was He was funny too, just yeah. admitting that he's funny. a Potter fan himself and he should be sitting out there with all of us. And yeah. it, it was, I think it was he really meant that though. I no, oh no, I know really? he meant that, yeah. 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 Mm. Meant. Well, who else? Who else did the other introductions? I forget. I can't remember. Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg. Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates. Bates was great. Warwick Davis. Was no. There? No. <laughs> no. Oh. Warwick Davis. <laughs> um, but uh, who was the water boy's mother? Yeah. What was her name? Kathy Bates. Yes. Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates. <laughs> great. No playing no foosball. She she introduced who she introduced Stephen King. Yeah, it was wonderful because you know she was twenty five minutes. I just have something to say. I come from a town with twelve hundred people, M- more I, than me. Yeah, here we go, here we go. and I just think it was just amazing for me to sit in that theater. You know where there have been Harry Potter premieres there before, just tons of things, and it's just legendary. And for me to see John Stewart and then these three authors, it was just brought a tear to my eye. It's tough being benched. It is ben, tough being benched. Do you know that there were five of your town in that space? Five. Your town, five times. So 6,000 people. Yeah, that's five. Five more. of Ben's town fit inside the I thought they all came for a second. Five of the people. If they all suck in there. But it's really impressive because Whoopi was hilarious. I mean, she was. Oh, Whoopi. And she blew through some of that coffee, man. Scholastic. Nothing against that, Cheryl, but they got to work <laughs> on that coffee of Whoopi's. She was like. She was. She was. She was funny. making. She was sort of making fun of the jokes, and she yeah. sort of just kept going. She was finding jokes. Hot like, Cheryl did going. not write the jokes. Hot Cheryl wrote the jokes. We'd still be laughing today. Yeah. At the jokes. <laughs> the set is really cool. They have each of the authors like in the little um, like setting, so they feel like kind of like so. Stephen King's had like a little wheelbarrow, kind of like a yeah. Thing. Yeah. But Joe's was really cool. Yeah, yeah. the king chair practically. Yeah. The chair was like kind of I don't know. I was hoping for more Hogwarty. She just well, looked out like, like a right, royal. She yeah, big red chair with gold and yeah. very freckled. Yeah, she did. Um, I actually missed the intro to John Irving because, as Ben said, we stayed up all night and uh, <laughs> it was warm in there and dark and, and comfortable and uh, so yeah. Then I, but yeah, it was still good. I feel you, compelled to say that. I'll have you know, I kept telling them to go to sleep. I went to sleep with all their running around and jumping. They didn't listen. It's to the me. excitement. We can't. It's gotten to the point now where we just call Melissa mom every time we want something. Because yeah. we stayed over, we stayed over. I'm sorry, you probably feel like this is weird. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> yeah, we 
be in Vegas and all of a sudden I'd hear, because we, we, we had a large um, hotel room and I'd hear from the other end of the street going, Mom! <laughs> Mom! I'm like, what? <laughs> but we had fun. It wasn't all Mom. What, but what about the questions of the reading? There was one that I particularly liked was, was it, what was Hermione? What would Hermione see in the mirror of Eros said? Yes. I can't believe that's never been asked before. Yeah, because Joe said that she had actually never been asked that question before. But she did pretty much squash any, le any little inkling that was left for you, Harry Hermione shippers. <laughs> what inkling exactly was left? <laughs> no, I'm just asking because later on she she also said something about Ron and Hermione. She said oh, about the shipping wars online. Right. She said that when she had found them and it was like it was like a, a great cyber gangland warfare kind of thing. I was like, well, like, well, yeah. And and she said, you know, the people who want Harry and Hermione get get together and the people screamed and she went, there are more of you out there, my God, you know, something like that. It was funny. I think her words when she was talking about what she'd see in the mirror um, was that she'd see herself entwined with a certain person at some point. Yes. But she did say that first and foremost she'd see the war oh, yeah. complete and the three of them alive. Yeah. Alive. Yeah. And happy. Spe speaking of alive. Alive. And I'm going to tell a story now because Emerson... No, I know, actually, um, can we this, shut is, up no, this is my patented story. Please? No. Can we shut so up? Melissa and I were at the, uh, the event you know, in Naperville, Illinois, about a week ago. She's been country. claiming credit for this story, but I own this story every bit as much as you do, Melissa, and I have very little else to bring to the table. So thing. anyway, this is about a week and a half ago at the, Fine, at the podcast in Naperville. Um, we were waiting backstage, and we were talking to um, the owner of the bookstore. And she was there the first time J.K. Rowling came to visit, which was years ago before she was famous. And she mentioned that, even though there weren't very many people there, but somebody asked her, a fan asked her, if Harry, Ron, and Hermione would live through the end of the series. And she said, yes. Good. I'm sort of glad Emerson is claiming this story because when J.K. Rowling is actually angry that we're talking about this all over the world, I could say Emerson did it. Yep. <laughs> Actually, I'm fairly confident that she misspoke. I mean, if any of you haven't listened to the live podcast in New York, just, I mean, from Las Vegas, there's no way all three are going to make it through. Hate me for it, but it's true. Boo! 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 It's rough being Ben Shane. What do you think about that? Oh, they're all going to live. It's uh, Once again, I'll keep saying this mantra over and over. The boy who lived, lived, not died. Lived. It's not the friends who lived, though, so. <laughs> I'm just saying. She's not going to have us take us on this journey of this boy who every book has to face these insurmountable, or these incredible odds that you just, you just there would be no way and to make us fall in love with this, this young man and, and all of his friends and take us and then just... Snuff them out right at the end. I just—we've all learned that lesson. We've learned how you know life and death, and how death can happen so quickly by the person who may or may not we may not hear again from. But I think we will handy dandy mirror Mr. Sirius Black. But I just think that that she's not going to kill Harry. I don't think she's going to do that. I think to us. I really, in my heart and soul, don't believe she will. 
when, when she was writing the story on the train, I'm sure she wasn't thinking to herself, oh, it's a great idea for a story. I'm going to write a book about a kid. His life sucks, and then he dies. <laughs> But it's also important to remember that throughout the series, Joe has showed that... Okay, Emerson, please. Joe has showed that life comes with loss. And since life comes with loss... You know, we saw Cedric die, we saw... We saw Cedric die, we saw Sirius die, we saw Dumbledore die... And Harry's destined to be reunited with him. And so, he's going to die. Okay, no, 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 I have it right here. I have it right here. I said it in L.A., I'm going to say it again. She spent six-plus books getting Ron and Hermione together. There is no way she's going to get them together and then kill them. Actually, I'm going to steal a point from Andrew here. He's mentioned before how the books are about evoking emotions in the readers and uh, what better way but to cause the most emotion by killing the ones that we love and Joe said that she doesn't go after the extras she goes after the main characters and those who are close to the main characters so one of them is going to die probably Harry not the trio though so we'll lose we'll lose Lupin we'll lose Mrs. Weasley we'll lose Dawlish we'll lose (laughs) we'll lose those people we're not going to lose the trio though no way one of them has to die. Right. Yeah. Aww. Harry is not the third wheel. He has Ginny. Thank you very much. Yes. Oh, please. <laughs> well, let's go back to Joe for a minute, and then we'll, get, we'll, we'll come back to all this in a little bit. She was also asked about um, redemption patterns in her characters. And, right, right? Yes. About Snape and about Draco and whether people can redeem themselves. And she didn't say, the question was, which characters, if any, will show redemption in the seventh book. But um, she didn't really answer that. She said that for what happens because of Draco not being able to kill that person. Right. Um, well, I know, come on. My mom hasn't read the book, so I'm sorry. Amelia Bone. <laughs> Leaky spoiled her. She got completely spoiled by going to Leaky. I, oh no! Actually, first Jason Isaac spoiled you. Yes, and then and then Leaky spoiled you. Oh no! I'm sure he There's meant a way well. to go, Ma. I'm sure he meant well. Anyway, um, she said that Draco will, will find out in book seven what what that means for him. I mean, not like we didn't know, but to hear her say it, you know. Right. And she also pointed out that any character can redeem themselves except those who are suffering from psychological disorders like Voldemort because we all know he's just off his rocker. She called him a psychopath. Well, but here's the thing. If he's a psychopath, can he help that? Can we blame him for being a psychopath? Like, I think so. Okay. It is our choices, Harry. Far more than our abilities. I can't. My hands are sweaty. <laughs> I can't. Your hands are sweaty. <laughs> Property of Pottercast. Huh? Thank you. Yes. Keeper of keys and games at Hogwarts. Warwick <laughs> Davis. Hey, Warwick Davis. I don't have much of a life. Dobby's free. Come on, everybody, all together now. Dobby's free. 
Well, this year we're going to meet the guy who did that impression and he's going to hate us a lot. <laughs> well, she also spoke about wands. And somebody asked why Ollivander chose the wand chorus he did. And she said something a little, little off. She said that the relationship between a wizard and his wand would become more important in Seven and how the wand really just works as a vessel. Um, but I thought it was interesting that she pointed out specifically that in Seven, we're going to learn more about this this core relationship. Interesting. And you need to protect your wand. Yeah. The relationship between a wizard Thank you, and his Cass. wand. And uh, <laughs> just how, yeah, they relate. <laughs> okay. Nothing. Andrew's being a little quiet. I don't even remember what other qu- I don't even remember what other questions were asked. I'm sorry. I'll, I don't know what were we talking about. I was just talking to Jamie. No, no, I was just talking to Jamie. I, I lost my uh, train of thought here. We're talking about wands. Oh, yeah, let's talk about that. What comment? The father's comment at that the end. That was so emotional. Oh, oh my God. Excellent. Oh, Weren't they wonderful? What so happened fantastic. was uh, a father and a daughter came up as the final question. And, like, I, I know me personally, I was expecting it to be some nice big thing. And it was. The father said, thank you for inspiring all these children, using Hermione as an example, as a role model. And th- the whole place was almost in tears. It was like, it, it, see, right? Yes? Yeah. Very emotional. I thought Very the... Um, this guy's timing was perfect. He said, every, he said every word, you know, in the right place and stuff. I was in tears. Well, it's like she's heard that so many He comforted times. me for about half an hour afterwards. I had to. <laughs> but even, even Joe was in tears too, and no chance he's here tonight, right? The daughter, mm-hmm. father. Okay, good. So then we could say the daughter's comment. <laughs> the daughter's question. Kind of blew it. <laughs> kind of blew yeah. it. There was this big emotional buildup, and yeah. then. All this hype. What would you do if you were? What would you be if you weren't a writer? You know, you were expecting yeah. something more than that. What's your favorite color? It seemed like a big enough setup. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it seemed like a big you enough like setup where it was going to be something like, so what's the title of book seven? And see, then yeah, she I was going to give it yeah. away because she was so moved yeah, or something see, like that. That would have been a good, a good um, way to loosen her up to give the title. If they would have been like, yeah. Oh, yeah. What's the, what's the but what would have happened? I mean, they screened those questions. So could you imagine if somebody had then started to say, what's the t- four security guards come out of nowhere? Yeah. <laughs> Pit them to the floor. <laughs> One syllable off and they're out. Yeah. <laughs> well, she did say she'd be a teacher. Yeah. She was a teacher. My a mom was a teacher. <laughs> she already was a teacher. She also got asked how, when she knows how to stop writing. And she said that she thinks the reviews of Phoenix show that she sometimes doesn't or... Yeah, it doesn't talk about it. Something like that. I think a lot of people are giving that guy some flack, but I think what he was saying was, how does she know when it's time to stop writing book seven? Like, when are you finished with that book? Because I think that is a good question. How do you feel when you're finished writing this book? You have so many things to clear up, and do you clear up everything, or are you missing something? Right, and And she did say that she had written quite a large portion of book seven, and... That she still had a lot, a lot left to go because there are so many loose ends. Yeah, you think yeah. about it. There's just so much left. To, yeah. Yeah. After, after they finished the chapter with uh, Harry and Jenny and Ron and Hermione's joint marriage, yeah. then we'll have to figure out what the kids are going to be named, and then all the loose ends are then. Yeah. The uh, the introduction video, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we've seen that before, Some where she's holding have. the end. No, oh, we've seen that. That's um, oh, Harry yeah? Potter and me. All right, but anyway, when we saw it. <laughs> When we saw it, the whole audience was like, <gasps> yeah. It's book seven in a folder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want one of those. 
Where's my x-ray goggles? Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's, that's like what that. you said. I'm afraid if the camera gets too close, people are <laughs> you, the camera can see right through it. What I really that's liked cool. about last night is you could definitely feel the presence of the Harry Potter fans because yeah. as at the beginning, they had the intro video where they were showing clips from <laughs> Stephen King, so John goofy. Irving, and J.K. Rowling. And, you know, Stephen King got a little bit of applause, John Irving a little bit too. And oh, then no. J.K. Wow. somebody from Joe would come up there and be like... <gasps> <laughs> and then it'd die right down the second the yeah. frame that she was off and then come back up and down. Yeah. That, that, that was weird. And she definitely and, and the first two authors, there were some people standing when they came out, but for J, but for Joe there was Everybody. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a stand, standing ovation. Jamie, would that be that loud in England or would you guys take it down a bit? Well, it would just be me there, so uh, <laughs> uh, there wouldn't be much at all. Jamie. Who who else thinks he should stay here? I, I think this is a good time to transition into that, not completely off, uh, hop off the topic. But uh, uh, Jamie does have an opportunity to come back to uh, California in late September. Late September. It's up to you. Depends on you. For the podcast awards. I want to say before we go into the podcast awards, I think that Mugglecast just got a really, really cool. Oh, I am so proud of this. They are nominated for a Kids' Choice Australia Award, Nickelodeon. Favorite podcast. We're sitting in Starbucks and I get this email from the Mugglecast uh, box and it's like, you were nominated in this. I thought, oh, maybe just Harry <laughs> Potter. So I made a nickname, which is the biggest pain in the butt that you will ever go through in your life. <laughs> and their favorite podcast, we're up against. The three podcasts I've never heard of, but so vote and uh, I, I, I guess we win something. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, those little blimps. Yeah, I want one of those little blimps that you look through. But a, a <laughs> brief explanation about the podcast awards. Oh, yeah. What happened was is Pottercast people said, "Hey, nominate us in People's Choice and Arts and Culture." And over Mugglecast, we said, "Nominate us in People's Choice and Best Entertainment Podcast." And for some reason, I think they're doing this to mess with us, they put us both in People's Choice and both of us in Best Entertainment. But, but not, have no fear. We, we, we came up with a solution to this. <laughs> and the way we're going to accomplish this is everybody vote for MuggleCast in, in People's Choice. You vote once every 24 hours. So after you leave here, ski the adult to your computers. You know, log on, podcastawards.com. And then vote for PotterCast and Best Entertainment Podcast. So we can go to California, we can have fun, and we can show them the power of the Harry Potter fans. And hopefully we'll be able to do a live podcast out there and, and give, the, give the West Coast guys some, yeah. some more fun. So. So I think back to our original discussion, take this kid back to California, or back to the U.S. Because he's proud to be American. <laughs> American. Well, I think, I think it's time that we, that we start taking some, uh, what do you think? Yeah, good some questions? You guys want questions? You want to come up to the mic? Hey, Kyle. Reason? Kyle here. We have Kyle here in the front row. Ben's <laughs> fan. Ben's fan. Ben's fan. Ben's fan. <laughs> oh, we got a, we got a, which one? That one? All right, so put that between them, that between them and you and I. All right, yeah, push that down a little bit. Push that one down. Push that mic down. Just, yeah, push that down. That way. All righty. So you can share it. <laughs> Hey, um, I was listening to MoCast the other day. It's a good show, good show, by the way. It is. And uh, they were discussing about how when Harry was frozen on the astronomy tower with Dumbledore, 
when Dumbledore died and he is dead. How, uh, He's dead. Oh, um, <laughs> how the spell wore off of him and he could walk around again. So, would the jinxes and all that stuff that Dumbledore put on Hogwarts be worn off? Like, so, could Voldemort, like, just apparate right into Hogwarts? I don't, I don't, Jamie has this one. Um, Okay, um, I was going to say that um, it could just be that his jinx was temporary anyway. It wasn't that um, it wore off, you know, because he died. Because if he'd been kidnapped and it had been a permanent charm, Harry would have been there forever, just lying there immobilized. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'd say that. But um, I think Dumbledore's such a powerful wizard that he'd realize that if anything happened to him, and something could happen to him, since, you know, he's right in the middle of a war, that Hogwarts would be, um, you know, could be more vulnerable to, to, to it attack because all, of in, all his enchantments would have worn off. So I think he's probably made, you know, other arrangements because he's so awesome. <laughs> but dead. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. So who else has a question? Kevin Stuck, everybody. Kevin, uh, Kevin Stuck. He's going to spoof the Mac address. It works. <laughs> so anybody? Anybody have a question? Those are very nice t-shirts, by the way. Okay, I'm, I'm a fan of MuggleCast and PotterCast, but I was, I was listening to MuggleCast first. Sorry. But... <laughs> Now, um, you guys haven't talked about this in a while, but the Snape loves Lily idea. Um, because I think this could explain a lot about why Dumbledore really thinks that Snape turned for the good side. If he loved Lily, then he really wouldn't have wanted the Potters to die because he wouldn't want to have been the cause of Lily dying. And that would also explain why he kind of loves and hates Harry at the same time. Harry is the living reminder of James getting Lily, but he's also Lily's son, so he has to protect him. What do you guys think on that? Well, it was interesting. There was an anagram out there that said when you arrange, what, I forget what's what you, what, what would you arrange? Se Severus Snape. Evans? Yeah, and it, it arranged to pursues Evans, pursues. but it's spelled wrong. <laughs> the, the, that, that's a little bit of a problem, but it's a yeah. thought that counts. But as in terms of, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to hog the mic. Does anyone else want to answer? Oh, I will. Um, I, I think that Snape was there that night in Godric's Hollow, and I think that was why Voldemort, and I think that's why Voldemort asked Lily to step aside. I think that was part of the deal that, yeah. that Snape traded, and that was the deal that she was to live. Mm -hmm. So... I, I really but to be fair though we have to realize that I think if Snape was there with, with, along with Voldemort Harry would probably hear his mother pleading with Severus Snape in that scene rather than just take 
No, but I think I think Snape was like in the background. I mean, do you remember? I don't know if like we can't really cons the consider the films canon, but if you <laughs> especially with Mr. Screenwriter, but um, oh, I'll be nice, oh, be nice. Oh, oh, oh. But uh, she wrote that scene. The way they filmed it, it looks as if he's turning his head. That there's someone back there when Voldemort comes in. So I think Harry was primarily focused because, I mean, it was one his mom and Voldemort was in the room. I don't think that Snape necessarily was in the room, but I think he was there, and I think he might have been behind it. He could have been, like, <laughs> Where like did I outside the house or something like that, maybe. Where did What's I hear not too long ago that someone said that Joe had a huge part in, like, in setting up every shot of that scene? She, she, she wrote that scene. She yeah. wrote that, yeah. Like, every detail about who's going to be... You know who's visible and who's not visible. I right. think that uh, that's probably the biggest indication that there's somebody else there. Yeah. My, my understanding was that she wrote it, and you know whatever they did, she sort of looked at and said, "All right, well, you're not breaking any of mm -hmm. my." I don't know that she set up every last shot. Of she was on set know. the whole time All with the little time. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Little director's chair. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if only she would Thank do that. Be okay. Cool. Thanks. This girl here. Here she comes. My question is, um, there's been a lot of speculation about like the purposes of the mirror of Erisa, especially on Muggle cast. I know recently you were talking about how like uh, what would Harry see? Would he be able to use, like use it to find the Horcruxes? And then there was a question last night for what would Hermione see in the mirror? But like, don't you think it's possible that the mirror reflects like really, really deep subconscious desires? And so, unless someone had access to the mirror, like they wouldn't be able to realize their desires without it because it's so subconscious. Um, we discussed this one a lot, and we just went around in circles and couldn't find a conclusion. But um, well, like what you were saying with on the Muggle cast about the Horcruxes, like you know, could he use them or what, like what what saved his journey? Would say, yes, I know. Like, do he? Why would his subconscious desire change? Like, did you ever think about that? What you mean? Like, why would it change from? wanting to see his family that I renew to finding the Horcruxes well, or killing well, Voldemort. Like, how do you know his subconscious change? This is what um, we were talking about, that um, does he only see his final goal, or does, he, um, or does he see, like, you know, his means to a goal? So, like, if it's, would he see himself finding the Horcrux, the Horcrux, sorry, John, or would he, um, Horcruxes. sorry? Horcruxes. Horcruxes. Or, um, or would, would he see himself, um... Visit Horcree.com, please. Or would he see himself um, destroying Voldemort? Because, you know, if it shows the, um, the deepest, most desperate desire in your heart, is it going to only show the final thing that he wants to achieve or anything along the way? Is everybody here, baby? No. Yeah. I see. She also, oh, right. yeah. also had a sort of a follow-up question about how can your desire change. And when Harry, when Harry was younger... You know, the thing that he was thinking about most wasn't defeating Voldemort because Voldemort really wasn't back at the time. It was, you know, I'm here, I'm alone, I really want to have my family back rather than... But, as, but now that he's older, you know, he's almost a seventh year and Voldemort has a body, he's fighting Voldemort now, his deepest desire would be to, would be to defeat him rather than seeing his parents again. But you don't know that. No, yeah. None of us know any of this, for, for sure. Just speculation. But it might, it might 
Well, again, this is MuggleCast, and you know, if you want to listen to PotterCast, we don't go around too many. Yes, you're more yeah. yeah. Well, we actually have book seven already. With yeah. this is our, our second month with it. Well, but I think the thing with the mirror is that it's at that moment. It's at right. that moment. It could change right. at any moment. But you know, at that moment, he was alone at school and wanted his family. Now, the thing that he wants most in the, I mean, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to change for everybody. But do you think it's really like at that moment? Because it was at that moment, I'm pretty sure if Emerson looked in the mirror right now, he'd see a big pizza. But <laughs> so. Well, but I, that's not necessarily on his very, very most subconscious level. That is a conscious decision to want a pizza. Like, no, it's, it's, it's subconscious. No, no. No, it is. We go to we go to a thirty dollar buffet and he gets pizza. So I'm pretty sure it's. I really like below pizza. The, below the surface. It's true. And McDonald's. McDonald's breakfast. When he came to the UK, um, I tried my best to take him to like the best UK restaurants, and we got there. And I was like, Emerson, look at this huge menu that you can you know order from all this great British food, and, and he ordered the only American dish on the menu, and I was like, sorry. It, was, um, it could have been pizza or a burger. I don't know what it was. I, it was one uh, of them. I really love pizza. He, he does. <laughs> let's, let's, as fascinating as Emerson's fascination with pizza is. Um, the one who, the, well, there's a girl with a leaky shirt right here. Yeah, yeah. We won't only call on leaky. In, in case you're wondering why we so, have such a white trash set up here, we actually do have more <laughs> microphones. We are, yeah. you know, we, we, we spend money the on these kind of things. Yeah. But... Um, the mixer couldn't handle it, so yeah. So was come up was that the last you... T-shirt in your wardrobe? It, it, by the way, <laughs> oh, first one. By the way, Ben, that is so mean. By the way, you can ask more than just theory questions. You know, you can ask general stuff too. So. Melissa gave me this shirt. Thank you very much. Looks very nice. Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, I'm a Pottercast fan. Woo-hoo. It's about time. <laughs> Um, I was wondering about, okay, there's a lot of debate about Snape and whether he's good or bad. Um, it's kind of, I think, sort of popular right now to think that Snape is good for some reason. Um, and I'm just wondering if he is, if there was some kind of arrangement between him and Dumbledore, if Dumbledore knew about the Unbreakable Vow, why would Dumbledore not have shared that with anyone else? Because, I mean, if he knew that it was a possibility that he might be in danger, why wouldn't he have told someone and take like because he took the truth about Snape to his grave like if he cared so much about Snape why wouldn't he have tried to clear his name before he died why wouldn't he have said something like why wouldn't Dumbledore have said something their arrangement would be in order to ensure that this war is one for the right people and he's that could endanger many many things and I think that he's very cautious about the information he gives out. And you know, the heart, if, if, if it's true, if Snape is good and he did this after a big discussion with Dumbledore where Dumbledore said, hey, one day you're gonna have to kill me, you know? If that's, if that's the case, that is the hardest choice I think that anybody in the books has ever had to make. And to just give that around could in, and, and endanger the whole purpose that way is I don't think it's Dumbledore's style. And something else I'd like to briefly discuss here is that John just mentioned it, that some people think that Snape and Dumbledore actually had an unbreakable vow. However, I don't think that's true because of the fact that Dumbledore is so trusting that he puts his faith in people so much that to make them do an unbreakable vow is like saying, I don't think you're going to do this if you have the choice to do so. 
So I don't think Dumbledore would do that because he's such a, such a trusting person. And there's, there's no making of anything. This is, this is a guy who was a Death Eater um, and who's suddenly wanting to ask for forgiveness. He's asking also for a post at a school with all these children. And we know how important um, the kids are to Dumbledore. We also have a man who's an extremely good at the one word with the O that I can never pronounce correctly. Acumency. Acumency. Yeah. That Dumbledore has to realize that he can't even really get a good read on this guy. So I'm still trying to figure out why it's so insulting to assume that Dumbledore wouldn't use this resource, which is the spell of the Unbreakable Vow, which is a spell that was only seen once in book six. And it's not like Joe to introduce something like that, a new spell, and only see it one time. Lots of examples in the other books where she introduces something that's seen more than once. I think they very quite possibly could have been an unbreakable vow. But Dumbledore two. wouldn't do that because that's like saying you do this or you die. And with Dumbledore, everything's about choices. So he, he, if he truly believes Snape is going to do that, why would he need to make him take an unbreakable vow? That's what. Well, but they could have an unbreakable vow and it not be for the purpose of trusting Snape. Right. They could have an unbreakable vow for some other purpose that would make sure that certain, certain things got accomplished. But I'm with Ben on, I think, that if, if, the, if he says, I'll trust you if you give me an unbreakable vow, that's not really Dumbledore either. He doesn't trust people because there's magic. He knows that magic, is, there are inherent problems with it. Very nice sign. Very nice. Um, how about the girl way in the back by the pool? Yeah, you. The glasses on. Way your ahead, yeah. Come on. Oh my gosh. Yay! I gotta get up here. Oh. The price is right. And hello to everybody that's standing back there. Hi, you guys. Yay! Yay. <laughs> Sorry about the standing. Please keep off the bookshelves. What's your name and where you're from? My name's Lauren, I'm from San Diego, but I flew out to Seattle. Uh, my mom flew out from San Diego, I flew out to Seattle, so we met up here. Wow. Awesome. So, um, my question is... Talking to the mic more. Oh, sorry. I don't like microphones very much. Um, but my, I guess, big question is, when you guys had your interview with Joe um, over in Scotland, she kind of said that a better train of thought would have been to explore Dumbledore's lineage, but it never got kind of picked up again. It seemed to sort of, you guys had such a good time, I think got a little distracted from it. So I was wondering if you think that, uh, <laughs> if um, Dumbledore might be related to Godric Gryffindor. It's possible. I, wear, I wonder about the ring um, and the Peverell crest on it and why Dumbledore was wearing it around. I know he was wearing it to Slughorns, but it just seemed a little strange <laughs> to wear the, the empty Horcrux ring around. Yeah. So you think um, he's Ravenclaw? Um, Peverell's Ravenclaw, has that been sort of traced? I don't know. I don't know. But, um, I don't know about Godric, but I've always wondered about a connection to the Weasleys. Ooh. You know? The Auburn hair, I know. Everybody with Auburn hair has to be related. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but, um, it's he, possible. What if he's Harry's great-grandpa? No. She's dismissed that, hasn't she, openly a couple of times? I sort of hope she dismisses the whole, somebody's related to each other, and that's the big secret. Yeah, because we, we know we've been there. You know what I'm thinking though is about you're talking about Godric Gryffindor. Do we think that Fox was belonged to Godric Gryffindor? I've heard that theory. And no, mean, she said that Fox belongs to Dumbledore's and he's Dumbledore's exclusively. Well, but, but once Godric's gone, gone, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's true. Does so the he Phoenix might have been die? Passed down, you know. She did. 
said what? Apparently she said Fox never belonged to anyone else. And we've oh. all been owned right here. Okay. <laughs> I remember that. When did she say that? That one point when she was asked that question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, good question. Good. That was. Okay, thanks. Thanks for coming. That's great. All you guys came from all around. Awesome. How about the uh, uh, Alex lookalike? Yeah. Uh, they, nobody knows what it's Alex. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even. Uh, oh, Alex Lupin. Remus Lupin. Remus Lupin. He, he rocks. Alex the rocks. Lupins. No. <laughs> Hey, my name is Quinn. First of all, I just wanted to say that me and my friends flew here from Los Angeles yesterday. Awesome. We flew from Los Angeles yesterday to see Joe. Okay, well, my question is, um, in the fourth book, when Voldemort comes back, do you think that he used up a Horcrux to come back, or if it was an alternate source? Absolutely. I, I forgot all about that. He didn't, use, he didn't have to use up a Horcrux to come back. He already was a Horcrux. Yeah. That spirit of him is his remaining, is, is a piece of soul. He said I was meaner than the, than the thinnest spirit or something. So if he was a Horcrux, then it would have used that up? Well, that, that would be the piece of soul inside him now. Yeah, that would be. Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the last bit of soul that Harry's going to have to kill. Yeah, it's that's him. in him. But didn't right. he also have other Horcruxes too? Like, yeah, and they're out there. That's why he didn't totally die. So it was just the one that he probably used up? Well, he didn't use it up. It still exists. Mm -hmm. It just now has a body over it. You know, it, it's the only one that actually has body, as opposed to all the other ones which are in really, really ostentatious containers in places that should have signs over them that say Horcrux here. You know, <laughs> nah, not really, but you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. What, was, he, was he asking about in Godric's Hollow? No, no. When he came, when he came back. That was the last question. Because I always thought that um, when he got, um, you know, knocked out in Godric's Hollow, that um, his means of return from that point on was another Horcrux. Yeah, yeah. He was. It was. It was okay. He got, okay. He got knocked out in Godric's Hollow because there were other Horcruxes existing in other places. He did not die. Therefore, the rest of soul that was in him became that spirit that wandered through all the hills and blah, blah, blah. And, and then that became the Voldemort that is today. Which spirit? Though? Right, Cheryl? Yeah, okay. <laughs> sort of. But she's so hot. <laughs> What's the question? I'm lost. Do you guys know? No. Did we answer it? Did we answer it for um, you? What do you mean by use a Horcrux up? Like, uh, I was going to say that I think he just, it was just a spell to gain a body that he could walk and talk and walk around in. So I don't think he used a, a Horcrux, but he just used all of the ingredients that he, you know, the flesh of the servant, all that kind of thing, just so he could uh, perform magic, all that kind of thing. Because I think, you know, when he's in his, you know, ghostly form, he still he still has his power, but it, it can't be wielded because he has no, you know, he can't hold a wand, he can't he can't really concentrate, what you know how he is. So he just, sorry, so he needed that spell to um to put himself back into a body so he could do all the things that he could do, you know, as a wizard. I think. Thank you. Um. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Girl, the blue, the get the thing on your arm. 
A girl in the blue just happened She to be dressed in the dark today. We just had a podcast. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love podcasts. Excellent show. First, go the most water Quidditch polar bears. We made it to the finals. We lost. Um, anyway, I had a, a theory. I wanted to see what your opinions were on. Um, a lot of people think there needs to be a sacrifice in the seventh book of Harry or Ron or Hermione. Yep. Which, which I. Nope. Along with that theory, I was wondering if. Um, the theory I have is that maybe Hogwarts itself is the final Horcrux, and the final sacrifice will have to be the destruction of the school itself. That's a giant Horcrux. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Harry will have to destroy his home, which is also. I, can, can you can you honestly see that happening? I, can. I, I think you really liked Lord of the Rings and Braveheart. And no, I mean, if, if seriously, if you read the seventh book and the book ended with Hogwarts being destroyed, wouldn't you be like? <laughs> Come on, Joe, give me the real book, you know? Yeah. <laughs> However, he does say, Hagrid does say in the beginning that Voldemort in the, in the first war didn't dare try taking the school. Not just yet. Which I always thought was sort of weird that it was brought up, like that was brought up as his big goal. He didn't dare try taking Europe, the world, you know? So I do think that we're going to see the big battle on Hogwarts ground. But as for the sacrifice, no. No. Harry sacrificed enough. Thank you. I also just wanted to say, Melissa, that I'm a fitty and I'm posting on the message boards and we love you. And Thank you. And to all the fitties out there who've been trying to meet up with me here, <laughs> come say hi. Fitties are from my health podcast, Fitting It In, um, who have been an awesome source of inspiration to me, even though I'm their terrible leader right now because I've been in Vegas for two weeks. and You know. $30 buffets. Enough said. <laughs> this guy all the way in the back corner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't see his shirt, so even if it's a... HPA and A shirt. I'm still. <laughs> Got to give some credit to people in the back, you know. Simple but nice shirt. Hi. First of all, I was listening to the Las Vegas uh, podcast in the cars I got here, but I stopped in the middle of the trivia contest, so. Leaky was up. We ended up, we ended up sure winning that, actually. Um, Sorry to spoil you, but I think it was worth it. We, we released the uh, live podcast actually just last night, so everyone go and check that out, and we'll probably release this one in like a few days. And these are on their own feed now, so I know you've been getting these on both Pottercast and Mugglecast, but now there is a, its own Leaky Mug feed, so you've got to resubscribe on iTunes and do all that junk. But you're all hands in it, so. It's easy. Aww. <laughs> so I want to respond to, actually, what that guy Quinn said, um, but first I was... I finished my third read of Half-Blood Prince last night, and I'd always been like a Dumbledore still alive, like conspiracy theorist, but for some reason, this third time that I read about his portrait being there, I like gave up all hope, and I don't really think that there's any way around that. Anyway, so... But you're wearing a shirt that says hope, so you have some. Yes, that's true. Um, yeah, who said that? Yeah, cool. Um, anyway, so um, he was talking about Horcruxes, and I was always wondering about like using up Horcruxes because he was so intent on having so many, but if they don't get used up or anything, it seems like the only reason to have so many is just in case people destroy them, you know what I mean? Because if they're all the same, then you might as well just have one, and then you can still die like an infinite number of times. I never really understood how that worked. No, the thing with Horcruxes is the reason he split it seven times is firstly because seven, you know, is the, the magical number. And the other reason is that if you have, the more of him you have, say he, his body's in, okay, when he dies once, he died, he died that night in Godric's Hollow, 
then another one of the Horcruxes had to be used that became the piece of soul that he was. So Doesn't that mean that he's got fewer now, like five or something like that? Or six? Or yeah, technically, yeah, he would. Oh, okay, but d- that number occurred to Dumbledore? Huh? That oh, never occurred to Dumbledore. Huh? Me? How am I wrong? <laughs> They're telling me you're wrong. I really don't want to start counting Horcruxes right uh, now. Yeah, I can. <laughs> there are resources on Leaky. <laughs> Mugglenut.com slash intersection. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. is also a fantastic place to get Horcrux information. I I have to point this guy out right here because he's wearing, first of all, an I'm with Dollish shirt. Dollish. Dollish. (laughs) And on the back, and on the back is my little moochka. Look at my cat on the back. He's got a picture of my cat on the back of his shirt because John calls it Dollish and it's not her name. My wife actually came up with this theory. Uh, she's shy, but I'm proud of it. Uh, back to why Dumbledore so absolutely trusts Snape. In book seven, when he's drinking the green whatever it is and starts babbling. Excuse me, book six. Yeah, I, I, I shouldn't have said I read book seven. I forget. Uh, the no, no, not them, take me instead is actually a memory that Snape gave to Dumbledore of him pleading with Voldemort not to kill the Potters. And that rather than any sort of vow, he actually has the memory of Snape pleading with Voldemort not to do it. And that is why he has no doubt at all because he, in essence, was actually there during the time. It's, an, it's a very uh, interesting theory, but I just don't know how you can get the connection between the green goo that he was drinking and that invoking that memory. Well, I, I guess that could be, that's true, but I've also... Well, I've also heard theories about how there's all those inferi and all the dead bodies that are inside the, the caved area and how some of that could be invoked by like their worst memories. Their, I, I don't know. Well, I, what I want to say to that is that um, during our interview, during Emerson and my interview with J.K. Rowling, um, she said that for theories on what, D- what Dumbledore would face on a, with a boggart, we should reread book six. And I always thought she meant that scene because we do hear Dumbledore saying very specifically, don't hurt them, it's my fault, I'll never do it again. So if Snape was pleading with Dumbledore, as you mentioned, it would be over something he's done and he's telling Dumbledore, I mean Voldemort, he's telling Voldemort, I'll never do it again, which I don't know if that fits with what we know so far, you know? But um, I, I, just sort of, I, I just sort of feel like that's where she was pointing us, that this, his worst fear is being either replayed in his head or lived out for the first time in his mind. In that, in that scene. How about the girl with the uh, leaky mug sign? Hello, I'm Sam, and I was just wondering, how do you guys think that spells are created? Like, do you think that they all already exist and you just have to discover them, or do you think that you actually have to create them? Speak right in. She just wants to know how spells are created. How spells are created. Sorry. Yeah, next question. Yeah. 
Because we hear Voldemort mention in the graveyard scene in Goblet of Fire that he had magic and spells of his own creation. And then we saw, what was that? Oh, jeez. Sectum Sempra? That sound? That were the, the, yeah, the, the uh, spell that's, that Snape invented. Any, anything that we came up with is just speculation. I don't know how a spell's invented. Well, that and the Dark Mark, too, is also an original spell. Mosmorda! The words concentrate the power. Okay. I mean, that, yeah. If, if, you know, I guess if you're strong enough of a wizard, technically you could probably do whatever kind of spell you could think of within limitations, I suppose. And I don't know. I think that, I think book six really um, mixed things up a little bit when, it, when they said that you could do spells without actually saying the incantation out loud. I, I hope we're going to learn more about that in the next book because I think at this point it's still pretty vague as to how that all works. But there has to be like a special process of um, coming up with spells that's dependent on how much power you've got because uh, you can't just stand there all day saying words and hope, uh, hope something happens, you know. So, um, huh? Okay, sorry. Um, did everyone hear that or not? Okay, cool. <laughs> It wasn't funny, so I'm not going to repeat it, but um, uh, I just think there has to be some kind of process that all wizards can do, but you have to be specifically powerful to be able to do it properly. Well, I think what John says might inch on it. We see Dumb somebody like Dumbledore who could just sort of do magic and control magic internally. With it. He just sort of seems to have wrapped himself around magic. And once you do that, if you find yourself doing a specific thing that causes a specific effect, maybe then the word comes, you assign the word to it, and then you can describe to others what you have to be doing within yourself to make that, to make that occur, and the words, you know, they'll be nice fitting words, but maybe aren't so important. But it seems like an inexact science magic, you know, it's like medicine or something, you have to experiment to uh, find out all the things that are associated with it, with it, you know, there can't be anyone alive who knows everything to do with magic, but there, there are people who try and go further than any other person has gotten, Voldemort, Dumbledore, and who can do stuff that no other wizard can do, or which. That was an existing spell. The comment is that Hermione made a portable fire in the first year. That's something that was existing that she could learn how to do. We're talking about actually creating the spell. They actually said that she made up that point spell. No, she found that in a book. She found a useful for point me spell for, ha for Harry in, the for in fourth year. No, that was from their, their 18 years in the library. <laughs> Back there. Can I pick someone? Sorry. I know I'm shameless. Sorry. Um, my question is about how Joe mentioned that Voldemort is a psychopath. Because I work in psychology, and there's a <laughs> there's a lot of talk now that mental illness is part genetics and part like a triggering event or upbringing. So this comes back to the whole nature-nurture debate. And I'm wondering if you think that Voldemort was born evil or if he just had that propensity for it or something and that it was triggered by his traumatic childhood. 
I, I think you just answered your own question. I think science does show nowadays that uh, it is about half genetics and the rest of it is upbringing. So I think it has to be a combination of both. Well, that's, that's been my point on the forums, but a lot of people are yelling at me and saying that he's just... Well, they're wrong. Well, All right. well because uh, we mentioned how pure blood wizards, how they're becoming few and far between, and especially with the Gaunts and the and all of them, they actually started inbreeding. So Voldemort's half his problem is that he chose to be that way, and the other half of the problem is that his mom's his sister and his dad's his brother. <laughs> do you know... <laughs> do you know... Ben knows all about that, being from Kansas. <laughs> oh. Something that was very interesting about the passage Joe chose to read last night was in that passage we see Tom Riddle extraordinarily concerned that somebody would think he was mad. And you have to wonder if the people at the orphanage have been telling him how crazy his mother was when she came in. Or, you know, or if he's done a little digging on his family already and has discovered the history for insanity and is, and is so, so concerned about it. Um, but yeah, dude, he, he made a choice. Harry was abused. Harry was abused. Snape was abused. You know, so it's our choices far more than our abilities. <laughs> Thank you. Enough Thank said. You. Okay. Well, we J- have time for I think two more questions. Yeah, let Jamie. Let Jamie. Yeah, but if your question is not really, really, really important, put your hand down. Otherwise, he'll make fun of you. The girl there. Yeah. Yeah. Jamie, are you in a friendship today? I told you. No. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going to have to be silent now so I can think of one. Thank you. Um, I'm Amanda from Princeton, New Jersey. and Jersey! Um, yeah. Um, I was wondering, uh, Joe read pages um, 263 to 273, um, chapter 13, The uh, Secret Riddle. Why do you think she chose that passage out of all the passages she could have possibly chosen. You're talking about the reading tonight, right? Yeah. Or last night, right. I mean, I I thought it was a really good uh, chapter to read into in relation to the other ones. I mean, it was was intriguing to listen to her read it. I I mean, any any chapter, really, she's going to, uh, we're all going to, sorry, 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 sorry. Any chapter that she's going to read, we're all really going to enjoy. I mean, I think she, she probably enjoyed writing that chapter herself. So she probably feels, you know, proud enough to, to read it. I have something to say. I think she chose that deliberately because it had to do about Voldemort, and I thought it was it was reinforcing us that it's very interesting that memories and Voldemort are going to be a big part in in the next book. I mean, I, I just think that why he became a wizard and him having to go home. I thought during the summer was kind of back to that place was kind of interesting. So I wonder if they actually will. I don't know. Just kind of, I just thought that was very deliberate. She chose that deliberately because it was about Voldemort. But to, just to hear her say that his name, her voice, say Tom Riddle, just <laughs> very emotional. No. I mean, I thought that, um, all, I mean, she even introduced her, um, that part of the book by saying how this is the story of an, another boy on his, about to start his time at Hogwarts. And I think just to say another boy is to, you know, purposely try to uh, have all of us think about all the uh, parallels and uh, differences as well with Harry and Voldemort. In book six, Harry learning all about, um, about Riddle as a kid, the Dumbledore, deciding that this is the most important thing he can do with his time with Harry this last year is to teach him about Riddle. 
is saying that book seven, the way he's going to have to you know, vanquish uh, Voldemort is to have a vast understanding of this kid and to also include the idea of this um, compassion uh, power or love power that Voldemort doesn't know about. Harry understanding Riddle, possibly end up ending up having compassion um, for Riddle, possibly even being able to use the curse Garling to send compassionate thoughts into his mind. That's how he's going to do it. That's the end. That's that's the end of the book right there. I got one one thing. I thought it was very interesting about Tom Riddle's name. Yes. I she was very very she said that very very carefully, and I just have to wonder. Um, why Merope Gaunt only said that before she died. He must be named this. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I just want to make a quick comment. Um, both, both podcasts, I know... <laughs> um, both podcasts just make all our weeks better. And they make us laugh. Thank you. Thank you for making our weeks brighter. One more. Yeah. Oh, pressure, pressure, pressure. Um, I always feel bad for the people in the back. So, okay. Okay, that kid, the boy back there jumping, a jumping boy. There you go. Um, my question's about the Pensieve. Um, I think you guys discussed this a little bit on MuggleCast. Um, first of all, um, you were talking before that you think that... <laughs> okay, you were thinking... You, you were saying that you think that Snape was there. Other people think that Wormtail was at Godric's Hollow when Harry's parents were dead, um, died. Um, I was thinking that maybe Harry would use the pensive and extract his own memory of, of his parents' death and watch his parents die again. And he will see that someone else was there. He will see something that, um, something, and he'll find out something. Well, in, in the interview with Emerson and Melissa, Emerson brought up a fair point that I actually agreed with, and it was that your memory, I thought when you take it out of your, your mind and put it into the pensive, that it was actually biased towards your point of view, but Joe said it was not. I'm saying, I know, I know. <laughs> Joe said that it was not biased towards your point of view, so that actually could work in theory. I don't know if he'll do that, though. Good idea. It's got to be information. I think it's definitely possible it could. Totally. I just don't know if it'll be necessary. Totally. Great job. Yeah. Take it easy on your way back. Well, well guys, what? that's it. What's it? Any big finale planned? Uh, not really. Uh, California to September, California. Everyone's invited. All of you. Maybe, hopefully. We, we do have one. We do, we do have a quick. 
giveaway. gigantic list of thank yous. So oh, yeah, bear it. with us for one moment. Oh. We have to say thank you to the awesome crew of Barnes & Noble for helping with everything here today. <laughs> More things went wrong, I can't even tell you, <laughs> that, that we even got, got live is, is, is awesome. Richard, our audio dude, back from the last year. Come all the way down here from 207th Street. Switchboard Tim. Switchboard Tim. Where is he? <laughs> this guy could run the world if somebody gave him the keys. Um, Kristen Brown, Nick Ryan, Doris, Kevin, Alex, Sarah, Julie, Clissa, Zach, Emily, Micah, and, and I, I don't know if I'm forgetting Kevin. anybody, but all our staffs who came out here at 8.30 in the morning Kevin. and worked their butts off. Kevin Steck. What about, what about Eric Skoll? Eric Skoll. He's, he's amazing. Laura Thompson. Right there. Alex, Super Alex. Yay. Super, Super Alex. Robin from, from Leaky. I'm sure, I'm sure Dylan's looking for a, a little round of applause, too. <laughs> and as always, Hot Cheryl, just for being Hot Cheryl. Oh! <laughs> Does everyone know? Did we introduce her? What? Yeah, like three oh, times now. Five P's now, isn't it, Cheryl? She's up to five. Five P's, I think, Cheryl. <laughs> she just a fan herself. Yeah. She too spent some time with us in Vegas, and it was, it yeah, was lovely Cheryl, having you, Cheryl. Cheryl saved me. Cheryl came in as the other estrogen who stayed in the room with us. <laughs> <laughs> it was better. Before we go, we do have one quick giveaway that a lot of you entered. This is uh, sponsored by JKR's Army, which is a little uh, place, a little place on Mugglenet.com uh, with collecting tips and how to stay safe from fraudulent uh, purchases made on places like eBay and stuff like that. Um, so we have a whole basket of them here, and the winner receives a. Uh, uh, what is this? A deluxe, deluxe copy dish. of Half Blood Prince signed by Mary Grand Prix. So that is very nice. <laughs> to draw a laundry bag. The name. Damiel Pick. Good luck. Oh, I get it. Okay, put it back. Put it back. Get a picker. Let's go. Okay. Winner is Randy Zegman from Framling, um, MA, Massachusetts. <laughs> Very good. Look, she's wearing Leaky and Mugglenet on either side. That's, that's a fair girl. Right. Oh, Leaky on one side, Mugglenet on the other. Well, guys, this has been well awesome. Done. Yes. Thanks so much, everybody, for coming out to see us. Thank you guys. On behalf of Barnes and Noble, thank you so much for coming and thank our podcasters. I'm proud to be an American. <laughs>